I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. And if you're in no contact, focused on personal growth, my workbook series, The Knowledge, will help you make changes like you've never made before. Available now at AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're gonna to be talking about some tips for dating survivors of sexual abuse. Yes. This is obviously a difficult topic to cover because of the trauma that's involved with it. Right. But it's very important to understand that if you are dating somebody that has had some kind of sexual abuse, there are going to be challenges that come along with that. Right. So Margaret's got some interesting research that she wants to share on this. Yes. Um, this is an excellent article by a woman named Renee Fabian, and she quotes um, a very experienced social worker whose uh, opinions I definitely agree with as, you know, a colleague out there. Um, it's difficult, and one of the ways the article starts out is saying the percentages are staggering, and they get worse every year as people begin to reveal what has happened to them. Mm -hmm. And the standard number for a long time for women has been one woman in three has had an unwanted sexual encounter by the time she reaches adulthood. Mm -hmm. And the statistics from, for men uh, very greatly because men I think are much more inclined to share it these days than they were even five years ago yep. but it happens to men as well yep. um, there are funny uncles there's the military there are all kinds of ways that children can be exposed and when it first starts to come out um, immediately parents say well, I was always with them you can't be with your child 24-7 and things happen Okay, things happen can happen inside the family and outside the family. Okay, so if you do find, and one of the things, and we have come across people dealing with partners with a trauma history very frequently, haven't we? Mm -hmm. yes. Oh, yeah, oh, yes. Um, and more commonly, you're going to hear it with the women having the sexual abuse history, but I hope that as time goes on, uh, men will feel free to share it too. And I currently have three men who call me periodically, all of whom have a sexual abuse history. Yeah. Oftentimes by relatives um, who got access to them that way. And when a survivor starts to get into a romantic relationship, which is going to involve sex, it can get extremely difficult for this person. And I just want to read to you briefly um, some of the things that one of the survivors has said here. Okay. Um, that she remembers um, going out on dates with people she found somewhat attractive, but being so scared just of being close and getting into a relationship that could get sexual that she could barely even manage to tell them what kind of a job she had. Wow. Okay. But, wow. Yeah. I am. That, I mean, that's not being very vulnerable at all. No. Just saying what kind of job you have. Right. And even, the, but you know, she was sitting with a man. She had obviously been sexually abused by men. And this guy was perfectly nice, and they did 
end up doing quite well together. But that's how terrified she was. She didn't expect to be that terrified. She liked the guy. She accepted the date and just found herself almost frozen. Um, and there are all kinds of stories out there about how people have handled it. But if, if you're the person, and I want to say I'm very impressed, really, at how well most people we talk to know their partner's life story. Mm -hmm. And when I ask people, do you have any idea what his or her life was like when they were growing up, almost always they can tell me, okay? And there's a certain constellation of symptoms that um, always makes us wonder about sexual abuse and will ask. And oftentimes people do know, so that's terrific. Keep sharing your history with each other. But if you're with someone who has been sexually abused, they're going to need to talk with you about it before you really get very sexual with them, okay? And the worst fear a survivor has of sharing this with someone is one, that they won't be believed, and the other is that this person will faint. Because there are some things out there that we may think we're prepared for, but when somebody actually shares that it happened to them, it can be very startling. Yeah. So if you're the party who's listening to this, remember that you can't faint until after you part company with this person. Then you can scream, faint, or do whatever you need to do. Yeah. Um, but you need to sit with it with them for the moment. Okay. And remember, it's an act of courage uh, for a survivor to share their story with anyone. So listen... And the most immediate short-term response is to say, I am so sorry all that happened to you. And it was not your fault, which it never is. It is never, ever, ever the child or adolescent's fault. Okay? Um, so that's the first response is, I'm so sorry. And you can find that if you're going to have sex with this person, People can freeze in the middle of having sex, leaving their partner not knowing if it's their fault. They can have a flashback while they're having sex, again, making their partner feel like it might be their fault. So if the survivor can warn you of things that might happen, that's good. Um, but the idea is to stay with this person as much as they can let you. And if they're telling you, you have already done something right. Okay, yeah. and there are various uh, quotes in here of examples of what you don't want to do is tell this person that they need to put it behind them and get over it. That's the first thing not to do. Okay, yeah. um, or that if they'll just cheer up, um, they'll feel better um, because people can get very tearful and very sad when sharing this story. So don't tell your partner how to feel. And we all want to fix it for them right away and say, well, you can get over this. How about by tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Okay. So those are the things you want to avoid doing. Just listen. And like I say, I have come across several cases where the man was sexually abused mm -hmm. and had not been able to tell his partner what was going on with him. Um, and one gentleman, after working with me for a while, was able to do that, and of course things got better. But it is something that people have to talk about. So understand that, and really be a little bit honored if a victim ch chooses to share it with you. Yeah. Um, they're not going to share it with somebody they don't think is sensitive and predictable. Okay? 
And the other thing you have to think about is that if you've got a child, if you've got a woman who was sexually abused as a child, remember that she was in a situation where she had a grown-up demanding sexual contact with her, and she could not say no. I've had people say to me, well, why didn't she just say no or run away or get out of the house? Because they can't. They're dependent on these people. Okay? Yeah. So understand that she has had a situation where she had no control and no choice. So you want to be careful to talk with that survivor before you make choices together of what kind of sex you want to have. Because there may be some things she can't handle. Okay? So communication, communication, communication. If you've gotten as far as her telling you, you're certainly on the way. Mm -hmm. And can survivors recover, both men and women? Absolutely. But it involves a lot of talking and a lot of reestablishing trust. Not only that the world is a reasonably safe place, but that people of the op opposite sex are reasonably safe. I talked with someone not all that long ago who had been sexually abused by several female relatives in the course of his growing up. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, it does happen. Yeah. Um, and if someone's been in foster care, assume it happened. Um, the foster care system is not unsafe because people let it be, but so many people come into the foster care system who have been abused, they then in turn abuse other kids in the home. Yeah. Okay. So if that comes up and if we can be helpful at all about it, we will be happy to talk with you. But the basic symptoms are going to be difficulty trusting, anxiety around having sex, if people share that they've cut themselves, run away from home, um, been crazily promiscuous, and that worked for both men and women, then chances are they do have a sexual abuse history. How about rage? Rage oftentimes is a, is a suggestion that someone has been sexually abused. And remember that if you're a child and you're small and they're big, you are going to be enraged. It is a normal human response to be enraged if somebody does that to you. And there's nothing you can do about it at the time because you're little and they're big. Okay? Yeah. yeah. And that's a very good thing to keep in mind. And men and women do rage a little bit differently, but rage is rage. And if you're sitting with it, you will know it. And people often say, I didn't know children could get this angry. Well, they can. They have the same anger mechanism we have as adults. And sometimes people are quite put off about that. I don't know why, why she's so enraged or he's so enraged. Mm -hmm. That is the normal response to it. And I'd rather that than the other one I hear all the time is, oh, I have forgiven whoever did that to me. Well, chances are you haven't because people go to the forgiveness place when they haven't yet dealt with the anger. And if you want to forgive your perpetrator, that's great, but you have to deal with your anger and rage first, okay? Or nothing will work. I've had numerous survivors come to me and say, I don't know why I still have all these symptoms. I can't sleep at night. I have flashbacks to my father coming into the room. I have flashbacks to my uncle's house and on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, but I've forgiven them all. No, you haven't dealt with your anger. And... 
it's difficult to tolerate that anger if you're the survivor. It's scary because you get afraid you'll get out of control. But there are ways you can learn to handle your anger. So that's a good question, Craig. Any other ones you think people might think of? Um, what does the research say about sexual abuse and promiscuity? Um, the research says that there's very often a connection. And that is what is called in the in the literature, the repetition compulsion, and it makes no sense. If somebody's been, take a, a, an adolescent girl who's been sexually abused as a child and then becomes wildly sexualized as an adolescent. There are a couple of things going on here. One is it's called the repetition compulsion. Now let me explain that. If you have a trauma happen to you, and a trauma means you're totally helpless, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And kids will keep repeating it, or grown-ups will keep repeating it, in an effort to figure out why it happened to them. What was in it for the perpetrator to do it for them? Maybe if they have sex enough times, they'll understand what this is all about. So it's really an attempt to resolve it. The other thing is, if you've been sexually abused, and I talked with a man in this situation just recently, it's the same thing. They will be very promiscuous, always hoping that somehow it's all going to make sense. And the way I explain it is, you've been in the middle of a really terrible play, okay? And you keep replaying the scenes in the play in hopes of figuring out the plot and what it all meant. And what you say to somebody who comes to you who's doing all sorts of sexual acting out is stop. Stop now, uh, or we can't help you. And if the sexually abused person is suffering anxiety and post-traumatic stress disorder is heavy-duty anxiety. That's why it's cause, called stress. Um, if you act out and repeat the trauma, the symptoms will diminish for anywhere from hours to days, sometimes even to weeks. So there are people who will act out sexually, be able to behave, behave normally for a period of time, and then in order to deal with their symptoms, when they come back, they go out and do it again. Does that answer the question, Craig? I think Is that so. clear? Yeah. Um, and, you know, people are condemned for being promiscuous, but there's usually more to it. Okay? Yep. And rage is very important, particularly for men. Okay? Women do anger in some different ways. Um, but the men can get very frightened themselves that they're going to take out their rage in the wrong way. So the sooner they're able to talk about it and get some help with that, the better off they are. But people can recover from trauma. No one's going to tell you it's easy. Um, but people can recover. And talking about it is the only way. Absolutely. It's the only way. Okay? Something that you talk about never has the same power over you that it did before you talked about it. Okay? Yep. And what happens if you don't is the trauma memories sort of float in your unconscious. And you never know what day they might come up for you. Mm -hmm. All right. So it's dangerous to have traumatic stuff floating around where you have no control over it. Talking about it gives you control over it. 
Yes. And I know there are people who are afraid it's going to make things worse and it'll bring it back to the person. That's part of the process. Yeah. And people will say to me, if I have an abuse history, what's the first thing I should do? Um, write down your life story, your early life story, in as much detail as you can. Because first you need to be able to tell yourself the story. And if there are parts that you don't recall, that's okay. When you recall them, you can put them in there. I've had people think, tell me things like, I remember up until the third grade, and then I don't remember anything after that until the sixth grade. That's okay. That's your narrative. You have three missing years, and at some point it will come back to you, and you can deal with it. Okay? Okay. Uh, this is a difficult subject, but the good news is people can recover. All right? And people have been all kinds of misdiagnosed over the years. Oh, yeah. Um, as bipolar and borderline and all kinds of things. And no one had ever asked them if they were sexually abused. And as I have shared with Craig in the past, I worked in the prison for quite some time. And huge numbers of those guys had a sexual abuse history. And I would outright ask them. And they would say yes. And, you know, they were in jail because they had done something absolutely crazy violent a lot of the time. Um, and I would say to them, did anybody ask you when you were a kid? And they kept, after you threw the desk at your teacher in the fourth grade um, and eventually ended up in juvenile detention, did anybody ever ask you if you had a history of trauma? And inevitably the answer was no. Okay? Yep. So, uh, not an easy subject, but a necessary one. And we will go back to it every now and again. Right. And Margaret has extensive experience extensive with Extensive experience. So with if that's something you would feel like you should talk about with Margaret, that would be I'll helpful. I'll be happy to talk with you. And remember, there is nothing too awful in this world to be talked about. Okay? Very um, true. Yeah. And perpetrators make terrible threats because, of course, their survival depends on the victim keeping quiet. That's right. Um, and so I've heard things like, I'll divorce your mother if you tell on me. If you tell on me, no one will believe you, and then you'll get in trouble and go to juvenile detention. Or I'll go to jail, and it'll be your fault for telling. And then your mom can't pay the bills, and she'll lose the house. And and, yeah, and it will be all your fault. Yeah. Okay? And then people will come and say, well, I don't know what's wrong with my teenager. She lies about everything. Well, she was told when she was little that lying is a good thing and truth-telling is a bad thing. That's true. And she learned that lesson very well. Okay? All right. Okay, so hopefully you found this video helpful. I know that many of you um, may know people that sure. have had sexual abuse. Maybe sure. you have yourself. Maybe you've had partners that have. And understanding what they've gone through is really helpful to at least let them feel like they can open up to you. Yes, and people heal. And if you can end up having a good sexual relationship with a survivor, that's an absolutely wonderful thing for their healing. Okay, so if you want to get our help personally, just go to my website, askcraig.net, sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do email coaching and I do Skype. Margaret is available for Skype coaching. Yes, I am. And if you think I can be helpful, please feel free to call me. Just click on Margaret on the top of the website to do that. But that's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And we will talk with you soon.